My name is Amanda Van Annen. Welcome to Beauty and the Beat. Join me and my co-hosts, Betsy Zane and Sophia Brad, as we pierce beyond the beauty myth and get face-to-face with reality. Highs and lows of fashion to the challenges of motherhood, the traumas of life, heartbreak of relationships gone wrong, and how to find purpose and discover your true, authentic self. Hi everyone, it's Amanda again. On today's episode, I've got Rochelle Vincent Bonquet, and I'm so excited to have her on the show. As you know, this show tries to have a lot of inspirational people, both male and female, that are on a personal development and life-changing journey. So Rochelle Vincent Bonquet is a Viennese-born Australian singer, songwriter, actress, dancer, Japanese Reiki master teacher, and health coach who won the Leadership in Health Coaching Award of the Year at the Institute for Integrative Nutrition in 2019. She's also a chocolatier to the stars. Her globetrotting career started in Australia, gracing magazines such as Vogue, Elle, Dolly, The Face, and Harper's Bazaar. She moved on to TV and film appearances and then moved to London working as an actress and toured the world as a recording artist. Her monthly interview program on Charles's VIP room featured guests including Dr. John DiMartini, a public speaker and author of the book and film The Secret, Dr. Brian Clement of the Hippocrates Institute, Dr. Robert Verkirk, a natural health international scientist and an acclaimed expert in agriculture, environmental and health sustainability. As a chocolatier, Rochelle has quite a celebrity following and her clients include the Academy Awards, MTV, Costume Designers Guild Awards, The Supper Club, New York Fashion Week, and CBS Fox. Rochelle, that's quite a lot you've done <laughs> in your life in a short space of time. Welcome to Beauty and the Beat. Thank you for having me. I am so happy to have you here. And, you know, there's lots we've got to talk about. My first question to you is, is what I ask most of my guests. I want to know what the journey was for you or what the journey is for you because you started off in Australia ended up in London got to LA I also know you're a Reiki healer so you're doing a lot of spiritual work and you're also a singer who had a once famous band that was even on top of the pops or something from what I gathered I'm so interested to know what the journey is because I have a lot of viewers and listeners that listen to this show that are all going through a lot of career changes, life changes. And, you know, one of the things we talk about on the show is how does one handle this and become the true authentic self? So tell me a bit about your journey to getting here. Thank you. It's interesting when you were saying that, I was thinking about how there was a time when you had to do one thing in life and people kind of wanted to put you in that identity and that's what you did. And we live in such a diverse time now and and how it really evolved for me was from a very young age, I never really planned my life. I never thought, oh, I want to be a singer or an actress or anything like that. When I was seven, I said to my mum, I'm going to talk to the man at the news agency and see if I can help him and dust his jobs to do something. And my mum was like, well, if you're going to do that, maybe you could earn a bit more money per hour. <laughs> so she um, sent me to a modeling school and 
I wanted to see if I would like it. And she wasn't like a pushy mum. She was just like, if you like it, I support you. So from there, I did graduate from a modelling school. I won Miss Junior Victoria and suddenly I was the first child model in Australia in an adult agency. And so it was kind of like my intention was always just wanting to help somehow, but I didn't know how. And so I started modelling and I would go in and out of modelling and school. I was out of school a lot modelling and my Headmaster was very understanding because he was an actor. He ended up being on Neighbours. So after, you know, I left school. But um, so he was very supportive of the arts, of music, of all that kind of thing. So there was a lot of stuff going on there. And then how I actually got into singing was I was doing a massive fashion parade at the Tennis Centre, which is like a stadium, like the size of Wembley. It's huge. And one of the models came up to me and said, hey, do you sing? And I said, no, in the shower. And she said, no, seriously, because I'm going to London to see my family and I need someone to fill in while I'm away for a month. Would you be interested in auditioning for the band? And so I went for the audition two days later and two days after that, I was on stage. (laughs) I had to learn. I had to learn 14 songs, including two solo songs, in two days. And both days I was working in the day. I had modeling gigs. And then I had the sound check. We were using the sound check as the rehearsal with the band. And I was on. And that was it. And that's how my life has been since. (laughs) So, from what I'm hearing, is. You started modeling at a really young age, which was totally by fluke, kind of, because you went to this modeling school and you just happened to be good at it. And you became the first child model in Australia. And then after that, you kind of fell into music and you kind of just went with the flow. So here you are, you're a teenager, you're singing in a band. Did you then move to London or did you stay in Australia a bit? Or did you move to London in your early 20s or before you were 20? Well, I don't really do the age thing, <laughs> but I did leave because the thing is I I started modelling like officially. I joined the agency when I was 12, so or 11, I think. It was 11 or 12. And then I started working in bands illegally and I don't want to get promoters in trouble. So that's part of the thing. You know, a lot of them didn't know I was underage. In fact, I don't think any of them knew I was underage working illegally in clubs and stuff. They didn't know that. But then so what happened for me was I explored a lot of gigs in Australia. We did massive like TV and and a lot of, you know, tours and stuff like that with Wilson Pickett and the commitments and all these different bands. And then... I wanted to do dance music and dance music was really popular in London and it was coming out of London. So Australia at that time was really about funk music and while I loved funk music, it's not what I wanted to write. So I moved to London pretty quickly. First I moved to Germany. So I was in Europe and Germany for a while and then I ended up in London and that's when I toured with a few different pretty big bands and we did TFI Friday and MTV and all that kind of thing and it was very successful so but it was a journey to that because I had to start again from scratch so when I landed in London things didn't land in my lap but I followed my intuition 
and my intuition led me into strange situations. Like my intuition when I ended up with zero money in Brighton, UK, was work at Virgin Cinemas. It didn't make any sense. And I'm like, okay, well, that's what the voice is telling me. I'll do that. And within a month, I was on the road with Dubstar. So because the usher, one of the ushers was friends with one of the musicians in Dubstar and they were looking for a vocalist, through him I auditioned. Suddenly I was on live on Radio 1 as our first geek, you know, with that band. So that's how my life's always been, like, going. So you are telling me that one of the things, because I try to boil a lot of concepts down for our listeners, and from what I'm hearing so far in the story you're telling us about your life is, number one, you followed your intuition, you took chances, and I can also see that the fear factor was not present in a big way because in order to take chances, you have to be fearless. So there was a lot of fearlessness there of moving to a new country. You don't know what you're going to do. You don't know how you're going to survive, but you're just listening to the gut and you're just listening to your intuition and then you're moving on. So there you are, you've come to London, you've having this music career. What happened next? So what actually happened at that stage was I started having health issues the thing was, living in England was very different to Australia. I wasn't getting vitamin D. I wasn't even conscious that I needed vitamin D. I didn't even notice the weather for the first three years of being in England because I was so driven and focused and busy and da 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 But then my health started to break down. And the situations that I had, doctors were like, well, we don't want to put you on medication because you're too young to live with side effects for your whole life. One of my GPs actually sent me away with a list of superfoods. So what had happened was I was working on an album and I was in the country around this time and the guy who was doing the artwork for our album, his mum is like a really famous Reiki master teacher and I didn't know that, we didn't know that. But she was doing a course that weekend and we crashed her Reiki 1 course. And when we started it, I was like a a complete naysayer. I didn't know anything about energy healing or I was always conscious of organic food and the the power of that kind of thing. But I, I didn't know anything about, you know, using your hands to heal or anything like that. And And I just thought it was a little bit of hocus pocus, to be honest, until the second day of the course, where I had a really profound, unquestionable situation. And it made me realize, wow, there's so much more than we understand. And so then I thought, okay, well, in that case, I'm going to use, if if Reiki energy is free, which it is, I'm going to try to use it every single day and see what happens. That was in 1999, and I have never missed one day of practice since that day. You practice Reiki daily. Now, Reiki is a type of healing modality, if I understand. It's the way you use your hands to heal your body. People sometimes pay Reiki healers, and they go and have treatments. But Mm -hmm. I guess if you can do Reiki, you can probably heal yourself, which is what you do. So you're doing healing. And have you found that that has actually helped you? In ways I can't even explain. You know, like I would be on the way to a gig. 
I remember one time we were in London and I lost my voice. I was really sick and we were going to Nottingham to do a gig and I sat on the train for the entire time with my hands on my throat and by the time I got to Nottingham, my throat was back and I wasn't sick anymore. So things things like that. I mean, it was unquestionable. And then in addition to that, like I would be in situations where like I'd be in Germany and the woman next door in the villa, she has some kind of a massive infection. And I say to her, look, you know, let me do some Reiki on you if you want and and let's see if we can detect what's going on. And through a whole process of the treatment, I figured out that she was getting blood poisoning from her mercury fillings, which is why she was getting infections every time she knocked herself. She had those removed and her infection stopped. And there have been so many situations where it's helped me, it's helped people around me. My dad who broke his back, my dad when he had skin cancer, like so many times where Reiki has saved the day. Absolutely crazy. (laughs) So would you say to yourself that you are not only a Reiki healer, but also an intuitive kind of, because I, from what I'm listening to you, you're saying that you kind of, heal people with the Reiki, but you also have this intuitive ability of finding out what's going on with them. Am I right? Yes. But the thing is, when Reiki is taught properly, you actually teach your students how to read their hands. And this is a part of the practice because the thing is with the Reiki, Reiki, Reiki energy is Reiki energy. It's energy. But it's how you learn to cleanse and tune into your body in order to channel as much energy as possible but then what happens as well is you teach there are different hand sensations that happen when you give a treatment and when you understand for example that a cell vibrates out to infinity you can detect corrupted cells on someone's body either physically or remotely all you do is tune into that person's energy field and you can pick up from wherever you are in the world what's going on with certain parts of their body. And so I learned how to read my hands. And then through years of working with clients, I was able to fine-tune that. And the more you do it and the more you know that, wow, your intuition is always right, you know, with things. And when I learned that and just through the experience of doing that, you just learn to read your hands. There's a technique. So now you're in London, you're this, you had health issues, you became a Reiki master, you healed your health issues. How did you end up in Los Angeles? Oh God, that's such a long story um, because it kind of goes round and about. I, I had a friend who lived in LA and she knew I was going to Europe and she wanted me to come to LA on my way to Europe. And I never, ever planned on moving to the US or even coming to the US and we kind of had a kind of light disagreement about it. She won, I came over and the minute I landed in LA, I suddenly had this feeling of, oh my God, this is my home. And I was very shocked by that. But I also knew that I had to keep going. So I I wasn't ready yet. So I went to New York and then I went to Germany and then I went to London and I traveled the world with my bands. And then there came a point where my brother died and instead of going home to Melbourne, I came to, well, first I went to Melbourne 
you know, for his funeral. And then I, first thing I did to feel better was come to LA. And mm-hmm. at that point, it was time for me to move to LA. So then I started that process. So you had a death in your family, you went home for the funeral, and then you came back mm-hmm. and moved to L.A. And I know since you've been in L.A., you're doing a lot of spiritual stuff here, apart from other your business side, which we're going to talk about in a bit. But I know Rochelle personally, she is, you know, very, very spiritual person. To me, she's like a little manifesting witch because she's always <laughs> going to the springs and going to like some place where they've got these, where the lines are meeting in Sedona, I mean, and all this type of stuff. Because <laughs> this show is mostly a self-help show where we try to help our listeners on practical solutions they can use in their life to help better their life. I'm going to give an example. If someone was going through a life-changing moment in their life, be it something tragic or just especially in situations in today's world, it could be something like depression or stressed out from COVID. They don't know what's going to happen in the future because their business is dying. What would be the best way to handle it? I know you can't tell me exactly what they should be doing because you don't know that situation, but energy wise, what would you advise them? I would say tune out from what's going on in the outside world. So what I would suggest is when people wake up in the morning, if they can, don't just go straight to your phone. Just leave it off. And if you need to get to it by a certain point, then get up earlier. And the first thing I do is I go through what I'm grateful for. And I know that that sounds kind of cheesy and, what you know, but the power of gratitude and then setting intents, like tuning into the self and or sometimes I'll chant, sometimes I'll use the singing bowls, sometimes I'll just give my dog Reiki. But it's just a matter of doing something to tune into your spirit at the start of the day so that you're grounded within yourself and then you switch on your phone and you get on with business, you deal with the kids, you deal with the husband, you deal with everything else so just have that moment of connection with yourself that's what it would be I like what you really said what you said about tuning out there I think that's such an important thing because the first thing I do when I wake up is I look at my phone right I don't necessarily go to social media but I do read the news and I find it kills my time in the morning because I could wake up at six yeah, And then by the time I meditate and everything, it's nine. And I'm like, what did I do? But you see that phone playing thing just killed about an hour. So I like the idea that you wake up, you just focus on the spirituality aspect of your life, set the intent for the day right. and then open into the world because right. that really helps you center you. Yeah. I mean, from a centered place, it's a lot easier to deal with stressful situations and figure out what you need to do. I guess the person should also have some sort of spiritual practice. You're talking about meditating. You're talking about singing bowls. I know not everybody is into that. So what other type of stuff would you advise people to do that could help spiritually balance them in the morning? It could be having a bath or a shower, you know, like being in water. It could be walking in nature or walking around the block if you don't have nature or going to a park or a beach, or do you know what I mean? It can be whatever brings peace to you, I would say. 
for that moment. So what you're saying is they should try and find peace in themselves when they wake up early in the morning. So it's kind of a centering of yourself somehow. You wake up and you center yourself and then you yeah, start your day. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, it might even be an opportunity if you can remember any of your dreams to process your dreams or and then set your intent. You know, whatever it is for you, whatever gives you that moment of pleasure, you know, because life is so difficult and stressful. We've got to have that time for ourselves. Yes. So we've talked about time for yourself. So you mm. take time for yourself in the morning and then you wake up and you start your day. And what mm. Rochelle does at the moment is Rochelle is a chocolatier and mm-hmm. she makes this natural organic chocolates that you can find in places like Erhuan if you have one near you. And it's also online. She has a website. She'll tell us a lot more about that. It's all organic. It's a big trend here in LA to eat organic food. And I think it's worldwide now because we know organic stuff is better for us. Rochelle's chocolates have opened the doors to her meeting so many celebrities and having amazing clients. Now, I want to talk a bit more about your chocolates and the whole process of getting the chocolates to the shelf and the whole fair trade thing and why you started doing chocolates. Could you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, well, I started doing chocolate because, like I said, my doctor gave me a list of superfoods before she wanted to put me on any medications. And I discovered raw chocolate in that time. And then I had so much of it and in a short period of time and my health completely turned around. And so because of that, I wanted to share it with people. I was so amazed because I was always a chocolate connoisseur, but I didn't realize the difference between raw, unroasted chocolate versus candy chocolate. I did not know the difference until I physically experienced the difference. And then what I wanted to do was, because I, you know, I tried a lot of different raw chocolate and it tasted like medicine. And I wanted to make something that would taste delicious, hopefully, (laughs) rather than like medicine. But, you know, physically it is like medicine. There's no refined sugar. There's no gluten naturally. It's loaded with superfoods. And a lot of the the raw chocolate also didn't have any superfoods. It was just the chocolate. So from there, what happened was my band was doing an album launch in London called The Bullet Ride. And so I created The Bullet Ride Bar. And we had that in all health food stores in the UK. And it was selling out at Whole Foods. So we had banned merchandise with our album cover selling out at Whole Foods. And then I wasn't sure what I was going to do from that stage because I was already knowing that I was going to move to LA and I couldn't build this castle on sand in the UK. So I decided to move to LA and then see what happens. And the first thing that happens was the Academy Awards contacted me and asked me if I would provide chocolate for their dressing rooms and green room. I was like, wow, that's a bizarre sign. <laughs> it just came out of nowhere. And then I was I was walking somewhere and someone drove past, screeched to a halt and said, oh, my God, are you a chocolate girl? I'm like, oh, my God, I'm more famous for my chocolate. <laughs> and it's, I didn't even have it on shelves here. So at that point, I started making it here. That's such an amazing story. And I like the fact that your chocolates are all superfoods. They're totally organic. 
for those of you that have kids out there, it's a great treat for the kids because it's not like sweet. It's got no sugar in it. It's got superfoods in it. It's totally organic. And Rochelle, where can you find your chocolates? You can find it on my website, loverorganicchocolate.com. So that's where it is. So at the moment, we've got the cans and we're about to launch the refill bags and the bars are coming too. But the thing is with this chocolate, because it is above fair trade standard, it is really expensive to make. So it's not cheap chocolate. But the thing is as well with it, it goes a long way because you're getting like a massive dose of real pure cacao in one heart. So you don't actually really need and you probably shouldn't have more than one or two hearts because it's potent and it is superfoods and there is nothing there to buffer the superfoods. There's no fillers. There's nothing to block the absorption. Like sugar and dairy block the absorption of nutrients. There's nothing like that in there. So you're not only getting a nutrient hit, but it's going straight into your bloodstream. One thing you were talking about was the fair trade aspect of your chocolate. Tell me a bit about that. That's what I want to know about. How does that work? Because I know fair trade has to do with benefiting people's suppliers. It does. So we work with a supplier from the Amazon, and it's a collective of tribes people, tribes people who maintain this area of the Amazon. And they harvest the cacao beans for us. So we pay them directly and they get a really good amount. There's no slave labour or anything like that involved, as is with, you know, a lot of companies. And the beans that we use are not hybrid. They're actually a pure strain of heirloom cacao. So... Heirloom cacao, the, the nutrients are different. The trees are a lot stronger, so they don't get disease. So, you know, in the Ivory Coast, there are a lot of diseased trees. But what they do is they pull out the authentic trees and replace them with hybrids, and they're weak from the base. And that's kind of how it works. But that, that's how it works with all our ingredients. Every single ingredient is us supporting Indigenous tribes or Indigenous people or people who are bringing these incredible superfoods to the West. Yeah, that's really, really, really good. So you are a Reiki master. You've got this amazing superfoods business. What do you think the future holds for you? Like where are you heading now in life on your path? Because I feel like your whole thing is It's like a symbiotic movement. You've got this superfoods company, you're doing your Reiki, you're all balanced, you've got a happy home. I'm not always, but I I try to be. (laughs) You've got a happy home and everything. What does the future hold for Rochelle? I really don't know. This is the thing. Whenever I've tried to plan things, I've kind of gotten in the way of myself. So... I really just feel that my most happiest times have been where I've just surrendered and allowed things to unfold as they're meant to without attachments. So I really don't know. It's a good question. (laughs) I mean, I've got music coming up and I've got more chocolate products coming up and I'm going to start doing 
live streams for sound baths, you know, and various other things. So always kind of moving forward and evolving. But future, I mean, does anyone know what the future is? Do, do any of us know? The reason I ask is a lot of times we have a plan. We have a plan of what we like it to look like, even though it, it might not happen that way. This might be a good time to segue into business because you started this chocolate company that's doing quite well because you've got distribution in Erehon, which is a big supermarket here, which a lot of people try to get distribution into this type of supermarket, but they can't. So I wanted to talk to you about something because that's something I don't talk about a lot on my show, but I wanted to start getting into it because as a businesswoman myself, yes. I've started so many businesses and as a single woman that's doing business or for a mother that's doing business, I think that's one thing I don't talk about on my show a lot. So I want you to talk a bit about your entrepreneurial journey and how you raised money. Did you just start on a shoestring budget and how did you find distribution etc. Just give me a broad strokes. Yeah, sure. I mean, the thing that happened with me is it's all really, everything's been built on relationships. When I first came to the US, I came here to go to an event called The Best Weekend Ever. And it was a, an event that David Wolf did, and he's a dear friend of mine. And and they used to have the most incredible speakers. So I would come over, I'd go to these events, I would consume these crazy elixirs and I'd just be high the whole weekend on no sleep, crazy elixirs and meeting all these different people and actually becoming friends with them first before I even had my chocolate brand. That's kind of how it all evolved. So my business has always been based on on friendships and even like with Erwan, I used to go to Erwan and I still do. When I used to come from London, I'd go straight from the airport to Erwan to the tonic bar. And there's a guy called Truth who had the tonic bar and he would like look at me and go, okay, how are you? I'm like, jet lagged. <laughs> and he'd be like, what? okay. And he'd go, choo, 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 like a magician. And he'd present me with these incredible elixirs and it would just do the trick. And and so I was a customer of Erwan. And then when I, I happened to talk to one of the managers and say, well, I've got this chocolate now, and, and they were like, oh, I want to try it. And then they tried it and loved it. So, and in addition to that, when I first moved to L.A., I got a rescue dog. And really strangely, like when I take her for walks, I meet people, and I've had some incredible business opportunities because of my dog and you know these things have happened in a really strange way I think in my life so I literally had my own money I made all my own test batches with any pennies that I had and the superfoods back then particularly were so expensive in comparison to now they've gone down so much and I just test batch and test batch and test batch and and give it to everyone and anyone around me. And then things evolved from there. Then we'd get the, the labels done and, you know, do test. I do sample sessions at Erwan and I would also bring truffles and other recipes that I had in the workings and get people's feedback on that and 
just sort of evolved it. Just I think the main thing is just one step in front of the other. You know, of course the, the goal is to be everywhere with the chocolate, but it is a speciality chocolate because it is, you know, an expensive chocolate to make. So I'm realistic, I understand that. But it's really just putting one foot in front of the other and suddenly you like, wow, a lot's happened. From a business point of view, what I'm getting that you're saying is that when you started this, because what happens with a lot of business people is we're always thinking, oh my God, I need this to start. I need this. You just started. You started with what you had and you went there and you were giving samples. You were just doing it because you believed in your product and the value you were bringing to your end consumer. Mm. But time, a lot of stuff just started coming your way because people yeah. tasted the chocolate. They thought the chocolate was great. Then you did some more samples. Then you got your distribution. The reason I, I wanted to talk about that because mm. a lot of people are starting businesses now. And one thing that stops a lot of entrepreneurs from launching is money, finances. Yeah. And for someone like you that just started in small batches and you grew that's very interesting for people because it shows that you don't have to be stuck. You see, sometimes you just have to say, okay, how can I start today? Even if you don't have all the money, all of this, you think, okay, what can I do today to get one step closer to where I want to be or where I'm going? And that's what I can see you did. And then if things didn't work, I would step back for a minute. I would Mm -hmm. just have to breather and regather myself. And then some sign would happen, something would happen. That also has partly to do with trust you have in yourself. The trust, the fearlessness, the spiritual aspect of yourself where you say, this is what my calling is or what my spirit is telling me to do and I'm just going to go ahead and do it. And then I'm going to see what happens. But you you had to be willing to take those chances. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. As a businesswoman who's done this, what advice would you have to for other businesswomen or men who have ideas that they want to test drive or they want to get out there, but they're letting finances stop them? I think in this day and age, we can do so much with the little that we have. Like with our phones, we can communicate so much and and test so much. So, I mean, honestly, it's just getting started. It's like... Even with singing, you know, you can go and have lessons and have lessons and have lessons. But even with all those lessons, even at a sound check, you still don't know what's going to happen at the gig. You can plan all you like for a gig or, as you know, you know, for a role Mm -hmm. or whatever. And in that moment, when you're actually doing it, is the only moment that matters. So spend your time doing the moments rather than worrying too much. And then I think also setting your intention is really powerful. It's like, okay, well, my God, you know, we're about to run out of money to be able to do a test batch. So setting an intention of is the universe going to support this? And if so, surrendering to that and allowing that in and, and without fail, I mean, I'm sure people can, think to times in their life where they've really thought, oh, my God, this is it, and then something will come in very surprising and keep you going. It's just having that faith in the moment and 
just starting, starting somehow. I also like how you've built your business around what you believe in. Yeah. I think that's important. It is. I mean, I don't see the point for myself in creating something that already exists. Do you know what I mean? It's like Mm -hmm. because when I was talking to some of the manufacturers, they wanted me to compromise on the ingredients in order to cater to their production facility. And, oh, my God, do you know how many manufacturers I went through just trying to find the right person? Because I don't see I'm not going to compromise my ingredients. The thing for me is I know too much about nutrition to – I don't want to put anything in the world that I knowingly think would harm someone. So if I do that unintentionally, that's a different thing. But if I know something, I can't unknow it. And then I can't promote it and, and put my face and my name to something if I really think it's going to harm other people. Just can't do that. So you're living this amazing life where you're still doing your music, which is your passion. You've got money coming in through your chocolate business. You're living a lifestyle which most would love to live. It's simple, but you're like enjoying yourself. You're like really cherishing every day as it comes. And you're living as your true authentic self and being happy. Now, these are all moving parts of your life. I don't want to ask you how you brought them together, but I will. Because what I'm getting here is how do we define happiness for ourselves? What is happiness to us? How do we live a fulfilled life, the life that we think or we want to be living? And I see you doing that because you're living a life where you wake up in the morning, you're excited to do what you're doing. You're passionate about superfoods and healthy eating. You're passionate about spirituality and health. So you're a Reiki master. You're doing your music. All those aspects of your life are things you love doing. And you just kept on following them. And yeah. eventually, I wouldn't say you landed on your feet, but you got to where you you are now. Yeah. And you're fine. Yeah. So every step that I've taken, there's been a challenge that I've had to overcome. And in that challenge that I had to overcome, there's a healing, you know, because the thing is to be able to do Reiki. I learned Reiki the old school way where you don't buy a manual for your students. I wrote my manual from scratch for all my levels because that's the old school way of doing it. And in that process, you go through incredible healing. And it's the same with the chocolate, like developing the batches, trying the chocolate, trying the different superfoods, getting to know the superfoods. There are a lot of different aspects of healing in different kinds of superfoods. And then with music, music is vibrational. And again, you know, that does things as well. And I guess all the things I do are like vibrational, but they've all required levels of healing, self-healing. So then you get to a point where ah, things kind of get good (laughs) after all the self-work. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm just always thrilled when I have guests on the show that kind of give us a perspective of what life could be like when you start really being conscious of how your life is and how you want it to be and making conscious decisions. Because I think being conscious is a big part of it, right? You yourself know relocating to a new country is not an easy thing. It comes with a lot of challenge. (laughs) 
I've yeah, located all my life. I mean, I feel <laughs> being a model and then going into acting and then running my own businesses. Right. I'm like a nomad. And even as we're talking right now, I have boxes packed because it's COVID. Right. And I am moving back to Europe. So it's a challenge. It's a day-to-day yeah. challenge. One part of my mind is like, why are you leaving? And the other part's oh, like... Just go and do it. And it's like the same thing, like what you're talking about. I just have this gut feeling. Yeah. yeah. I've got to go. And yeah. normally I would stop it. Right. But this time I'm like, i got to go. Yeah. But you got feel. Can't deny your gut feeling. But yes. that's not to say that the path is easy because your gut feeling saying to do something, it's not kind of all roses. But the ultimate thing will be right and that will bring a level of peace of course Rochelle you know it's great having you on here and we could talk on forever but before we finish our conversation I want you to tell people where they could find you listeners where they could find you where they could find the chocolates or if they want a Reiki healing well the best place to find me is through loverorganicchocolate.com and you can also find my music at rochellevincentevonkay.com. And as far as like uh, Reiki healing, I mean, just to keep things simple, you can just contact me through the chocolate website, you know, because otherwise it's just leading to people to and a million. what about social media? <laughs> social media, um, Lover Organic Chocolate. We just started on there, so it's a baby, baby, baby. and on Instagram, and then Rochelle Vincentive on K on Instagram as well. I prefer Instagram. Okay. (laughs) So, guys, you've heard where to find Rochelle. If you want some of those delicious superfood organic chocolates, you can find her at Lover Organic Chocolate, which is L-O-V-E-R Organic O-R-G-A-N-I-C chocolate.com. Or Love Organic Chocolate on Instagram. Rochelle, thank you for coming on Beauty and the Beat. It's been a great conversation just talking about your life journey and your life story and how you managed to create authentic, purposeful life. And we love having guests like you on the show. Thank you. Thank you. 